Wow. There's something about those old hymns, isn't that right? Wow, there's so much theology. There's so much just tied in with them. They never grow old. And um, well, I know that this past week, as a matter of fact, driving back from, from Raleigh, um, I, ble- I believe it was night before last, uh, the old rugged cross just got in my heart. And, and that's all I could think about. I, I, all I could sing was, 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 was the course of the old rugged cross. Folks, I just encourage you to just lean on God's Word and let God's the songs um, just, just minister to you as, as, um, as, only, as only God can do. It is so good to see you tonight and today, and wow, boy, things begin to fill up. I was kind of wondering early this morning, boy, I didn't know if that's, people had too much turkey or, um, you know, they were mourning or what, what was going on, but boy, you came on in, and it's so good to see you. But folks, it's good to be in the house of the Lord, Amen. Man, I just love this time of the year. I just love as, as you begin to uh, have your, your Thanksgiving uh, time where you can give thanks to the Lord and also be with family. Family's a good thing. We still have people traveling this with family right now. And folks, that's a good thing that, um, that, that God just instituted. I mean, he institutes society on the family. And, and thank God for, you, for your family. I thank God for our church family that we can be together, we can lean on one another, that we can minister to one another. And I'm looking for a great, great Christmas season, too, as we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and all the activity that goes on. Let's just enjoy it this year. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to hearing our Christmas presentation. That's going to be on the Sunday before Christmas, and I'm just looking forward to that. We're going to combine the, the young and the old and everyone a part of that, and, and I'm just looking forward to that. God is so very good. The last several weeks, um, we've been studying in, in, on the subject matter of the road recovery. Um, this is all based on the ministry of Celebrate Recovery. And folks, I, we, we have intentionally just um, used the last several weeks to, to, to teach and to emphasize and to advertise this ministry of Celebrate Recovery. We encourage every one of you to come and to be a part of that. Um, you know why? Because everyone, everyone has hurts, hang-ups, and habits. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, folks, unless you don't understand, that includes you and me. And the Bible teaches us also the wages of sin is death. We know that that, that does mean eternal death, eternal separation from God, but, but also death has a meaning that, that when we sin, that folks, it has consequences within our life. And because we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, there's consequences that come with our sin. And so that, mean, that, that means there's hurts, there's hang-ups, there's habits, in every one of our lives. We are all dealing with situations that, that maybe we've brought upon ourselves or maybe someone else has, has sinned against us. And, and, and we all need to say, God, how can you help me? That we all need to lean upon God because He and He alone is the one that can heal us of those. That's what this ministry is all about. They meet together at 6.30 on Tuesday nights. We encourage you to be a part of that. And um, hey, if you have a friend out there that's, that's dealing with some stuff going on in their lives. Again, so many times we think that, that something like Celebrate Recovery is for, for those that, 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 that are in addictions, such as chemical addictions. Did you realize that only 30% of the people that, that are ministered through to Celebrate Recovery um, deal with addiction? You know what a lot of people, it's maybe just some, some anger that you've had in your life. Or maybe there's been some sexual abuse in your life and you've just not been able to get over that. Or, or maybe there's, there's some real insecurities within your life and they just keep pulling you down over and over and over. 
Folks, we all have stuff in our life. And so this is, this, this is for you. This is, we are one of those people. And today we're going we're to close out this particular series. And, um, and I pray that God has, been, has, has ministered to you, has ministered to me. As a matter of fact, I've struggled probably as much, and, and even though um, I'm using the outline that's provided by the Celebrate Recovery Ministry, that when, when you preach messages and, and you think about them, folks, the first has to be filtered through you. And, and, and I'm telling you, it's tough. Because it's tough when, 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 when you're being convicted of things and then thinking, God, and, I'm, and now I'm supposed to get up and preach this stuff when I'm having such a hard time with it myself. But folks, that's what the Word of God does for us. It should, it should do a work within our life so that then we can, we can minister to others, and that's what we're going to be speaking of today. But today we want to look at this idea of, of recycling our pain. What that means is, is what I've had going on in my life. I don't want it to be wasted. God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't want you to waste anything. He doesn't even want you to waste the pain that you've suffered because of your hurts, hangups, and habits. He wants you to take that and use it for His glory. That's how you can know that, that, that God is, 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 is doing a work in your life and you're recovering when you're, your life is when you're taking the, the bitterness that you've had in your life and you're using that to minister to someone else in their bitterness. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. There's a great verse that deals with this in Scripture. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. And then we're going to use this as the basis of, our, of this lesson today. But look at 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. We're going to look at verse 4. We're going to look at some verses on, down from that. But um, if you found 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, let's all stand together. As, 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 as we read the Word of God. As a matter of fact, I'm going to, I'm going to start back on verse 3. That, that kind of ties this sentence together. Where Paul is blessing God, he's giving praise unto God for what, whom God is and what God has done in his life. And, and listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Boy, just let that sink in. He's the Father of mercy. He, he's where all mercies flow from. Do you need mercy? You need God then. He's the Father of mercies. But then listen, He's the God of all comforts. Any comfort that you may have in your life comes from God and God alone, and that's what Paul was saying. But listen to what he says in verse 4. He says, Who comforted us in all of our tribulation. Paul says, You know what? I've had some hurts in, some, I've had some hurts in my life. I've been in some, some tribulation within my life. He comforted us in all of our tribulations. Why did he comfort Paul in his tribulations? And then he says, so that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. He says, God comforted me that I could comfort other people. He, he says, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted with God. And so let me just read that. Who comforted us in all of our tribulation that we may be, be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Wow, folks, that says so much. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray that you'd bless us at this time. And Father, I just pray that in the name of Jesus that you would just meet us, dear Father, right where we have need. Our deepest need is you, dear Father. And I, I pray that, that as your word teaches us that you're the Father of all mercies. 
And God, there's not a person in this place that is not in need of mercy today. And God, I pray that your mercy will flow, dear Father, upon our lives. And the Word of God says that you're the God of all comfort. And God, today, I pray that you would just reach out and, 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 and grab us and, and hold us close and comfort us in those points of need. But Father, that that not be wasted, that Father, we'll be faithful to be about your business. We'll be faithful, Father, about taking that trouble that we've had in our life and that comfort that you bestowed, that God, that we can share that with others. God, that's your call. That's how Christ to be glorified. So, Father, I pray that you'd minister to us. And, God, I pray that you'd bless our time. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. As we close our, our, this, this series out today, I want us to go back and, and summarize. You've heard me repeat this over and over and over. But, folks, repetition is not a bad thing. That's how we can learn things. That's how it can stick within our mind. Because recognizing that Jesus Christ understands that everyone, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, we've all had stuff to go on in our life, and, and who does not need a little bit of blessing? I need blessing, and I think most of you do. And I, when Jesus Christ, when a, when a group of people gathered around him, and I think it was um, that, that, that he began to teach the greatest sermon that was ever been taught. We find that in Matthew, the fifth chapter. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And I think it's very, very interesting that Jesus Christ began to teach this lesson. And he's teaching it about the kingdom of God, those who are part of the kingdom of God. He began that sermon with what's called the Beatitudes or blessings. Because he wants us to know who are the people that's going to receive blessings. And he began to list, he began to list a, um, several statements there. Again, we call them Beatitudes. We call them the blessings. But when we begin to look at this, we begin to look at these are people whom God has worked in their life. He, they have had recovery within their life, and that's where this particular series is based out of. You know the first thing that Jesus said, or blessed are the poor in spirit? Blessed, blessed are those who recognize they have need. You see, that's the very first step of Celebrate Recovery, is realizing I'm not God. You know, where I admit that I'm powerless. I'm powerless with myself to overcome my tendency to do the wrong thing in my life's unmanagement. Folks, until we come to that point and take ourselves off the throne of our lives and, and say that, God, I can't do it myself, that's when God begins to work in our life. That's why he says, blessed are the, blessed are the poor in spirit. And the second where, where, where Jesus Christ says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourning is that, that recognition that we're poor in spirit, that we have need, that we're powerless. And that's where the second step of, of our series um, of recovery deals with. That is where I earnestly believe that God exists. And listen to this. And that I matter to him. And that he has the power to help me overcome, help me to, to recover. You know, that's what's so cool. That's where I receive my comfort. Not that, not that I can do it myself, but that God can do it for me. And I need to realize when I get to that point where I'm mourning, recognizing my need, that there's one who will comfort me. His name is Jesus Christ. So I earnestly believe that he exists and that I matter to him. Folks, that's so cool. That every one of you in this place, no matter what you've done, no matter how stupid you may have acted or, or where you've come from, you matter to God. 
He knows what's going on in your life. How much of a comfort is just knowing there's a God in heaven that I matter to him? And, 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 and so that means so much to us. But then, but then the word of God says, blessed are the meek. Now, so many times when we hear the word meekness, we think of weakness, but that's, that's just totally opposite of what meekness is. Because meekness is an idea of control. It's an idea of power under control. As a matter of fact, this is the same word that, that was used about, about, about stallions or big horses that's full of power and full of energy. But when that, that horse was broken, when that, that, that horse was bridled and, and trained, the horse didn't lose its weakness, I mean, its strength. Its, its strength just began to be under the control of the rider. And that's what happens in our life. God doesn't want us to take away our strength. He wants our strength to come under control, under his control. And that's where, where when it says, blessed are the meek, that is where I consciously choose to commit all of my life and all of my will to Christ's care and control. That he's bridled me and I'm under his control now. I remember when my dad, and we used to, we used to own a, a, a lot of cattle and did a lot of what we'd call cow hunting or pinning cows, and he had this huge, big red horse. And that, that horse was just always just on the edge of being out of control. And if my, my sisters are shaking their head because, boy, you know, Dad would, would ride high, and this, this horse was such a big horse. And, and Daddy tried to do everything, but he's always on the edge of out of control. And, and it's sad to say that, that, that Daddy daddy had had to carry a big old stick that had a metal end to it because every now and then that horse would get out of control. And you'd just see Daddy, daddy doing everything he could trying to bring that horse in. Folks, that's what God has. God has to bring us under control. If not, we'll run away and we'll hurt ourselves and we'll hurt other people. And that's what meekness is, is when we come under control and we consciously commit our life to God's care and control. And then, and then there's the blessed of the, in the pure in heart. That, that my heart's not nasty. And this is where so many of us have some issues. We've got stuff in our life we've never dealt with. We've got a lot of nastiness from that stuff that we've never dealt with. But Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, that heart that's been made clean. And that's where we openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to my God, and to someone else whom I trust. Folks, confession is a powerful thing. Confession is, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful, and just to forgive us of our sins, and what cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But there has to be a point in our life where we openly examine our lives and confess. First of all, we have to confess to ourselves. That's hard to do. That, God, I have issues in my life. God, I have a problem with my tongue. God, I have a problem with addiction. God, I, I have a problem with womanizing. And I openly confess my sins to myself and to God. And then the, 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 pow, the, the power of confession, because we live in relationships, the Bible says confessing our sins to one another and praying for one another that you may be healed. God wants us to take it another step. Folks, that's so hard to do. But that's what God calls us to do. And then he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that, that we desire to do the right thing. And that's, that's, where, we, that's where we voluntarily submit every, to every change that God wants to make in our life. 
That, okay, God, I'm going to submit myself to you. Whatever you want to do in my life, that's okay. Have you ever got to that point where you got on your knees and said, God, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and whatever you want to do in my life, that's okay. God, if I, if I got to walk away from that set of friends, that's what I'll do. God, if I have to quit that job because it's putting me in a situation I don't need to be in, that's what I'll do. If I had to sell this house because it's, I'm just using it for my glory rather than yours, God, that's what, what, God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. And see, and that's where you are hungering and thirst for righteousness. God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. And asking him for the power to help, help you change. And then there's those two beautiful verses that deals with the relationships where he said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That kind of deals with people that maybe has hurt us. We've not want them to show, we, we don't want to show any mercy on them. You remember, God is the Father of mercy. That we have, to, we have to extend that mercy to other people. And then blessed are the peacemakers, those people that want to right wrongs. That's where we need to, on the next step, is we need to examine my relation, all of my relationships. Is there stuff going on in my relationships? And I need to offer forgiveness to those who've hurt me. But also, I need to make amends to the harm that I've caused others except when to do so would, 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 would cause further harm. Folks, it's more than just knowing that I've done wrong. I've got to do something about that. I've, if, if there's people that, that, that have hurt me and I've been holding unforgiveness in my life, God's called me to forgive that person. Or if I've hurt other people, God's called me to go to that person and make things right. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. Um, can you do it yourself? Probably not. That's why you need God's power. Remember, I'm not God. I, I'm not, I, I don't have the power to do these things, but through Christ I can do all things. And, and, and boy, what, what type of healing begins to happen? What, just think about a family that's just been messed up because of something that's happened in the past. You know, there's, there's, there's something sad about broken families. But it's going to take someone within that family to say, you know what, I want to make things right. You know, if I need to offer forgiveness, or I, if I need to be a peacemaker, and I, I need to go and, and um, make amends for those things that I've done, then, folks, that needs to happen. And maybe God has called you as the person within that family or within that friendship or within that marriage that, that, that don't wait on someone else. Let God use you to step across that line. And, man, there's nothing more powerful. There's nothing that shows Jesus Christ greater than when relationships begin to heal because he's working in those relationships. You don't need to carry that, that load any longer. And that's what God is, that's, what, that, that's part of our recovery where we examine all of our relationships, offering forgiveness and also making amends for those who's harmed me. And then there's a couple of other steps to keep this thing going where I need to reserve a daily time in my life to examine my, uh, to to, to examine myself for self-examinations, for, for Bible reading, so that I might know God, and also for prayer, that I might know God's will in my life. Have you, have you set time in your life that every day you're going before God and saying, God, show me areas in my life, and God, show me from your word who you are and what you desire in my life. Today we're going to be looking at this very last step. Folks, this is the point that really begins to reveal whether whether God is, is doing a work within your life. 
this is where the, the next step is to yield myself to God, to be used to bring His good news to others through my example and my words. That God wants to use you to help other people. I think this is just the coolest thing in all the world, that God uses me and you to do His work. We're going to look at that a little bit further in just a moment. And, um, and, but a question that you may have in your life and, and right now, why does, but, but why did God allow all this to start off with? You know, if God's so good, why did he allow all this pain to happen in my life? Have you ever heard that question asked? As a matter of fact, a person that wants to deny God, that's always the big thing. You know, if God's so good, why is there so much pain within the world? And as a matter of fact, if you're the one walking through that pain, you may have asked yourself that question. If God is so good, then why... Why is my life so painful? Let's look at that. Let's just stop and examine that as we close out this series. You know, first of all, one reason that God allows the pain in our life is because, first of all, he's given us all a free will. When when God created us in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says, let us make man in our own image. And one of the ways that God created us in our own image, that he gave man choice. That he gave man the opportunity to choose between right and wrong, between good and evil. And that's what distinguishes us from all of other God's creation is God has given us a will, the right to choose. And, and so if God has given us a right to choose, he's not created us as little robots. He's not created us as puppets on the string. He's given us the ability to choose that which is right and wrong, that, that when you say, why does God bring allow me to have this pain? Folks, it's not God, that's us. That, many, that, that most of our pain comes from the, the bad decisions we make or the bad decisions someone else makes because God has given us a free will. Now, God could create us where we'd never do the wrong thing or no one else would ever do the wrong thing, but God chose not to do that because God chose for us to love Him, for, for true love to manifest itself. We, we have the right not to love. For, for right and wrong to be able to distinguish itself, we have to have the choice of whether I can do right or wrong. And folks, every one of us has a choice. Now, you just think about that. With choice comes responsibility. And because God has given you this wonderful ability to, to, of, and, and given you a will that you choose whether you, whether, whether you want to do that which is right that, or whether you want to do that's wrong. No one's ever made you use those hurtful words to someone else. You made that choice. God did not make you to lust after a woman. You make that choice. God's never forced that Budweiser in your mouth. You made that choice. He hasn't forced you to take those pills. You've made that choice. God hasn't forced that bitterness within your heart because you have, you have, you made the choice to live with unforgiveness in your life. You see, one reason God allowed the pain is because He's given us choice. And our choices bring consequences. 
I love what God spoke to the children of Israel through Moses when he, when he spoke in Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, verse 19. He says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Deuteronomy 30, 19. You know, God says, listen, I'm giving you a choice. I'm setting before you blessings and cursings, life and death. You make the choice. You might say, well, well, pastor, someone else has hurt me. Well, God gave them choice. You can't change that, but what you can change is what I'm going to do about that. Maybe you grew up in a bad situation. Maybe you grew up in a dysfunctional home. Maybe you grew up with a father that abused you. Maybe you grew up with a, with a mama who left you. You know, maybe, maybe you grew up in some abuse. You can't change that, but you can change what you do with that. We all, we all have to take personal responsibility upon ourselves because we've all got free choice. So why does God allow pain? Because first and foremost, because God allows it because He, he has given us the freedom of our will. And that's, that, that can be either a blessing or that can be a curse. But again, God says you make the choice. You know the next thing that, that why God allows pain within our life? He allows pain to get our attention. Because God recognizes that, that, that within our own self that we'll get so focused on doing our thing, we, we're not paying attention to anybody else. When I, when I think about this, I, I, I think about one thing the psalmist says when he, when he says in Psalm 119, verse 71, he says, It's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. He say, what he's implying, if, if I've never been afflicted in my life, I wouldn't have ever really stopped and listened to your word. When I, when I think about that passage, I think about, I think about the prodigal son. There's that wonderful passage that's in in Luke, the 16th chapter, about a, a son that was so full of himself that he, his, he wouldn't listen to a thing his daddy said. Do we know anybody like that? You know, I, 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 see, my, I see my sister-in-law, Dale Milton, out there. She says, you know, one thing about my children, I don't have to tell them anything because they already know it all. You know, when they turn 13, they're the smartest things in the world, you know. And folks, we all go through that. We all go through that. God knows that. You know, we think we know it all. We don't need anybody else's advice. There's a prodigal son that said, God, I, Father, I went, want to you. I want my inheritance right now. And, um, I, you know, and, and so, boy, how that had to hurt the father. Because basically he's saying, Dad, you're dead in my eyes. I want to do my thing. He went off into a far country. And, and basically it says he, he squandered all of his wealth on wine, women, and song. Hey, he had a good time. And he had a lot of friends as long as the money held out. But pretty soon the money ran out and the friends left him. And he found himself, the Bible says, he found himself working for a man that had pigs. And Jesus uses that because the, the, the Jewish people just, pigs were unclean. But he found himself working with a pig farmer, and finally he found himself in the pigsty, and, and he was starving to death. And he says, the pigs have more to eat than I do. And God had allowed that pain. He had allowed him, he had allowed him to, to go and feel that pain until he found himself in the pig pen 
And the only way he could look was up. And the Bible says, then he came to himself and he says, my father's servants have more than what I do. Wow. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, for thou shalt come. See, God allowed the pain in his life to get him into that pig pen so finally it may get his attention. And once it got his attention, and folks, let me tell you, God will put you in the pig pen if that's where you need to be. God loves you so much that he will allow whatever it takes in your life to get your attention. And in the prodigal son, is probably one of my favorite passages because it used to scream out, I could put my name there. That God will get you where you need to be so that, that you will hear his voice. Where, where the psalmist says, it was good that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. Daddy's not so dumb anymore. Folks, that's how much God loves you. This weekend, this week... We went up to, to, to Tanner and Carolee's, and I, I, I have a little UTV I took up there because Tanner was asking me to help him to cut some trees and move some trees. And, and, um, and so um, on Wednesday, no, it was on Thanksgiving Day, it was kind of cold and rainy, but the baby wanted someone to drive the baby. And so we jumped, um, we jumped in the UTV and kind of went down the, the road. They, they live in a little subdivision. I was, it was so cold, I said, let's go back. And so, you know, I was looking, I wasn't paying that much of attention. I turned, and one of the suits just, just slapped me. He says, Johnny. Because a truck was coming right toward him. She got my attention. And I'm thankful that she did. I'd have never been able to live if I'd have known I'd have pulled into a truck that would hurt my wife and my baby. And I thank God she got my attention and startled me. And, I, and, and there was a big bunch of silence. Matter of fact, we hadn't said anything else about it. <laughs> she did good because she was, I, I'm sure if she would have said what she was thinking in her mind, and so obviously God was in control in her life. But I thank God that she got my attention because we could have had a disaster. And folks, God loves you and, so much, you and me so much. He will allow pain in our life so that he can get our attention that we'll listen to him. Maybe you're going through some real pain. Maybe you're going through some, some real trauma within your life right now. You know, instead of blaming others, could it be that God's trying to speak to you right now? That God's trying to rattle your cage a little bit, says you need to listen to me. God loves you too much to let you go, friend. Another thing that God will allow us to go through pain is to teach me to depend on Him. Again, the way we are within our selfish nature, as long as we can do it ourselves, we don't need God. We'll do it ourselves. But God will allow pain in our life that, that, that he's all we have is to depend on. We started out in 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, verse 4. Why don't you look on down in verse 8 and follow with me. Listen to what Paul writes. Where Paul begins to talk about all his tribulation. He says, For we would not, brethren, to have you ignorant of our trouble, 
when we came to Asia. He says, I want you to know about what went on in, my, in our lives. He says, I would not have you to be ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength. He says, more, we were pressed more than the strength that we had, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But in verse 9 he says, But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver us, and whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. He, God, Paul says, God put me in a situation that was above my strength, that I would no longer trust in myself, that I can only trust in him. Folks, that is where we begin to be blessed, is when we begin to say, God, I can't, but you can. Because as long as we can hang on, as long as we can do it ourselves, we'll do it every time. But God wants to put us in a situation that we grab hold of Him. That again reminds me of a passage in Scripture in Genesis, the 32nd chapter, where there's a man by the name of Jacob. His very name means deceiver or supplanter. All his life, he, 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 he learned to manipulate. Even his mama was a manipulator. And so all his life that he lived his life uh, learning how to manipulate other people. And he was really good at it. And so and he didn't need God. He, he, he used the power of his manipulation. And folks, there's some of us that are very good manipulators, and all of us are manipulators to a point. And to a point that he had to leave home because he had stole his brother's birthright, he had stole his brother's blessing, and the last thing he heard his brother say, if I see you again, I'll kill you. He left home. He ran to, to, to see his uncle. But the problem was his uncle was a worse manipulator than him. You know, as bad as we are, there's always somebody a little bit badder out there. And Laban was worse than him, and so, so he manipulated uh, uh, Jacob and even swapped. The long story is that, that, that he wanted the pretty girl, and, and he worked seven years for his, for his uncle's pretty girl, and, and, and his uncle in turn gave him the ugly one. He said, I'll work another seven years, you give me the pretty one. So he wound up with both of them. And finally, he, he left, and he, he left, and, and, but he left in, in the cover of midnight, and he'd even worked where he'd, he'd gotten a, a lot of his, his, his uncle's sheep or his father in law's sheep. And so when the father in law found out about it, he, he came after him, but finally God says, You better not. You better not mess with Jacob. He's, he's anointed. And so, so they, 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 they drew a line and says, okay, you don't come past here. So, so there was a wall so that he says, I can't go back there. But then when all of his family was running around, they heard a story, my brother's coming. And he's got 300 men with him. Now you're talking about between a rock and a hard place. He couldn't go back because there, there's his father-in-law that he had broken relationship. Here come his brother that, he, that, that had threatened, I'm going to kill him. So... God put him in a place he couldn't go anywhere. Scared him so bad, he separated all of his family out. And the Bible says that night he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. He wrestled with the Lord. And the Bible says this, that he grabbed hold of the angel of the Lord and says, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. You know what he was saying? He says, Lord, I don't have any other place to go. If you don't help me, I'm shocked. Folks, that's what God wants to hear from every one of us. That when we come to a place in our life and say, God, I don't have any place else to go. If you don't help me, I'm shocked. 
That's the day that God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, means, means the prince of God. Folks, God loves us so much, he'll put us in a place that all we can do is trust in him. Because we, if we can, we will, we will try to work ourselves through every situation. God will put us, he will put us in situations we can't work ourselves out of. Don't we serve a great God? See, he knows us better than us. And he knows what we need, folks. If it's to get our attention, he knows how to get our attention. If it's uh, to put us in a place that all we can do is depend on him, he'll put us in that place. But listen to the next thing. This is where it really gets cool to me. He also allows a pain in our life to give me a ministry to others. You remember what we read in the, in the fourth verse? When he says, who comfort us in all of our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we are, ourselves are comforted of God. God has a ministry for every one of you. Every one of you that have suffered pain in your life, every one of you that's troubled, that's, 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 that's suffered trouble within your life, that, that God has helped you, God has calling you now to help someone else. You know, we maybe think, well, God, God only uses the people that are real polished. God only uses the people that have a lot of talents. No, God doesn't use the strong things of the world. God uses the weak things of the world. See, God doesn't use you in your strength. God uses you in your weakness. In those areas in your life where you've had trouble, that's where God wants to use you. And that's what, God, what Paul says, God, God, allowed, God brought comfort in my life so I might comfort other people with the comfort that he's shown me. And so every one of you, God wants to use as a minister to others. Well, there's, there's so many examples. Let me give you a personal example. I've shared with many of you, and you know, and I'm, I'm just making myself vulnerable. Over the last couple of years, I've, I've, I've really struggled with depression. Matter of fact, I've, I've battled with some recently. Sad to say, a few years ago, when, when, I, when I would deal with other people that had depression, I'd pretty well tell them, just get over it. I'd tell them to you know, quote, quote a scripture and do this and this and this. I didn't understand it. But once God allowed me to walk through that hurt and that pain, I now understand. I don't just push them off. If, if you don't understand something like that, then count yourself blessed because God's not ever put you there. And I realize there's a lot of people, you know, probably maybe, and, and that, that, that's part of the stigma, well, how can, how can a pastor fight this? Well, you just don't understand it, okay? But I know this, that God has given me multiple, multiple, multiple opportunities to minister to other people since I fought that battle. Because I know what they're going through. I can see it in their eyes. I know much of their thought process. And God has opened up a whole new door of ministry. Do I wish I didn't have that pain? You bet I wish I didn't have that pain. 
But God uses the pain so I can minister to others. Brother Eddie and Sister Tonda are, are in Tonnesville today. Jordan's fault addiction. We've all been there with Eddie and Tonda as he would just cry out because his son was in addiction because pastor's son's not supposed to do that. But unless you've ever been there, you, 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 don't have, you, you don't know what to do. And through this series, I'm, I'm telling you, there's not, a, there's not a week goes by that somebody does not call Eddie say, hey, can you help me with my child that's fighting addiction? You see, I can't do that because I've not been there. But Eddie's been there. And he can go ahead and tell them, this is what's going to happen. Because I've been there and I've done that. You see, it's hard for me to deal with an addicted person because I don't have those tendencies. Why can I take a a pain pill from my shoulder, not even realize I've taken a pain pill and some people get addicted to that. I don't know. Can I say, well, just get over it? You know, or, or you know, an alcoholic is the best to minister to an alcoholic. An addict. I see Rodney and Phyllis. They lost a brother years ago in childhood. And I've heard their daddy, Brother Ray, say many times, and I've, I've seen it. He has ministered to so many people because he's lost a child. I've never lost a child. With, 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 with Brother Ray and Sister Margaret, wish that would have never happened a thousand million times. But God uses their hurt to minister to other people in their hurt. And so what I'm saying to you, dear friend, that that God doesn't want to waste, He does not want to waste a hurt in your life. And, and He may very well be in allowing you to go through this hurt and this pain in your life so that you can minister to other people in the future. You know, there, there, there's people that's within here that's been broken by the tragedy of divorce. and the pain, and the sorrow, and the separation, and the stigma. But God can use you to minister to that person that's going through that right now. See, we serve such a great God that He doesn't waste anything. He, could, he, he, he wants to take all of those hurts and all those pains that, that many of them we've brought upon ourselves or, or many of them that's been brought upon us by, by, by other people making bad choices. But God says, I just want to use this so that you can tell the good news to other people through your example and through your word. And that's what's so cool is, is God uses broken people to help broken people. That's what Celebrate Recovery is all about. We all have hurts, hang-ups, and habits. We need to minister to one another. But God wants to use you. God, has, God wants to place value on your pain. And how do I do that? How, 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 does, how to use my pain? First of all, we need to be ready. Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15, he says, 
but sanctify or honor God in your hearts. This is how you can honor God in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. Man, when, when someone sees that you've been through this, but you have hope, be ready to tell them, this is why I have hope. And you need to think through it. And you, you may need to write it down. You need to think through your testimony. And not only the pain that you felt, but how God has worked through that pain in my life so that when someone else... Man, why... You know... Why do you have strength? Then you can tell them, this is why. You're ready to tell them, of this is the hope that I have in me. Let me tell you what God's done in my life. See, the Bible says this is how you'll sanctify, this is how you'll honor God in your hearts, is when God allows you to tell other people about the hope that He's given you. So you, you need to be ready. You need to prepare yourself. You, need to, to, you, you don't need to waste this. You need to think through it and prepare testimony so that you can help others. Realizing that, you know what, God is using this in my life that to, to help me to help others, and so I need to prepare myself to do that. The next thing you need to do is you need to be humble. Listen to what he says. He says, for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Paul writes in Galatians 6, 1, he says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a fault which is spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness or gentleness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You need to be humble. Folks, let me explain something. People, hurting people don't need someone to look down their nose at them. They don't, they don't need someone to tell them everything they're doing wrong. They need someone who will humbly get by them and say, you know what, maybe I've been through this, but by the grace of God, He's helped me out. Or maybe someone's going through something and you can remember, by the grace of God, I'd be right where you are. God does not need some spirit of pride or or, or where we're looking down, he needs humble people to get down on their knees and minister to other people. That's why G, when Jesus Christ came, he humbly allowed himself to be a servant. He stepped out of his throne and he became a servant so he could get on his knees and wash our feet, if that's what it takes. And that's, that's how we have to do, is we need to humbly minister to those who are hurting. We also have to be supportive. We, we, we need to, we may be, you remember last week that the Bible's called us to, that, that we, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves um, together as a matter of some is and so much as you see the day approaching, that we may encourage one another. And that word encourage is the same word that we get, get paraclete or get the Holy Spirit, which means to stand alongside of. Folks, God may be just calling us to stand alongside of some people and give them support. When everyone else has beat down on them and told them how sorry they are and no count, what a breath of fresh air. There's going to be someone that's, that humbles himself and says, you know what, I'm going to be supportive of you. It doesn't have, you don't have to sit there and, and minimize their bad behavior, but you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to love you through it. And that's where Paul writes in Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens. To so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. You know what that's saying? That says, when you're hurting, I'm going to take your hurt and put it on my back. 
I'm going to carry your hurt for a while. Can you imagine what would happen in the body of Christ if instead of start quit beating everybody down, we start bearing each other's burdens? And instead of talking about people, we go alongside of them and say, listen, let me help you carry your pain. Man, that's, this, is, this is transforming stuff, folks. This is where Jesus Christ, this is where Jesus Christ is, is called and He's filled us full of His Holy Spirit that we can be His hands and His feet and, and we can take all the pain and suffer. Folks, why did Jesus come into this earth so He can be a great high priest that is tempted as we are because every hurt we've had, He's had. And so what God is calling us to do is for the hurts that we have, we can minister to other people just like Jesus ministers to us. And that we can be real. Just be who you are. That's what's so, what's so wonderful about it. God doesn't want you to be anybody else than yourself. You don't have to be the preacher. You don't have to be the count. You just be who you are. You just, you just go and you just minister to that person and you build them up. And you love on them. And let God just take you and use you in, their, in, in the lives of others. You see, what happens is when we're going through troubles ourselves, we get so self-absorbed. And we, we look so much in and, and oh, my pain, and, and you know, it's all about me, and, and oh, woe is me. And folks, that, that's, that's where pain will get us. But what happens is when, when we begin to take that pain instead of being self-absorbed, we begin to use that to help other people. Things begin to change. I'm not looking at my herd anymore. I'm looking at other people. And I'm transferring my hurt to their comfort. And so, folks, that's when I know God's doing a good work in me. And today, as we close out this whole series, why God has allowed you to go through your pain? You know, first of all, He's given you a will. You can't blame God. You've got to take responsibility for your own choices. But also, He may have allowed you to go through that pain because He's just trying to get your attention. He's trying to scream out. You know, one thing about it is, is pain's a megaphone. It just screams out to us. Or it may be that He's putting you in a place where all you can do is depend on Him. And then also, He's just preparing you to minister to others. And so as I close out, I ask, what's going on in your life today? Again, the Word of God says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us have stuff in our life. Now, the first thing that we need to deal with is we need to deal with our, the forgiveness of our sins. We need to deal with the, our, our, our eternal destiny. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And folks, we're all going to be die. We're all going to die physically. But the Bible says, once we sin, we die spiritually. That we're separated from the God who created us. There's maybe some of you today, because of your sin, you're still separated from God who loves you. And the only way you can that you can have that taken care of is through Jesus Christ. The Bible says, "For God so loved you, even in your sin, 
that he gave his only begotten son that if you would believe in him, you'd not perish, but have everlasting life. You have to come to Jesus. You have to come the way of the cross. You have to believe that Jesus came, he died for your sins, he was buried, he rose again on the third day. You have to earnestly believe that God exists, that you matter to him, and he's the only one that has the power to help you overcome your sin. You need Jesus today. I invite you to Jesus. There's a lot of Christians here today. There's not a one of us that's here today that has not dealt with some pain, some hurts, some hang-ups. Maybe God is just wanting to take and use you for his glory. God does not waste a thing that's happened in your life. He wants to use your pain that he can create a minister out of you to minister to others. Would you make yourself available for that? Would you be willing to say, God, today, I just want you to take me and use me to help other people? God, um, you know the, that broken relationship I had, how much that broke my heart? God, I want to give that to you today and help me to help other people through broken relationships. God, you know I fought, I, I fought a problem with my tongue. And God, today, I lay this to you and help me administer to other people that has a problem with their tongue. God, you know I've, I've, I've had a problem with addiction. God, help me minister to other people with addiction. God, I may have a family member that's had a, a, a problem with addiction. Help me to minister to other people that has families in addiction. Folks, w- would you just give that to God today? And say, God, use me to tell the good news to others about what you've done for me. Folks, God can use you in a spectacular way. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. And God, I just praise you. And Father, um, your word is so real. Paul says, Lord, that he didn't want the people to be ignorant about the, the tribulation they went through, but God comforted him so that he could comfort others. And God, I just pray in the same way this morning that God, that people would offer themselves and God, use me for your glory. And God, there may be someone here today that, that, that needs Jesus Christ. They need the forgiveness of their sin, that their sins forgiven. I pray today that God, that you'd open their heart and they'd say, God, I need you. God, do the work that you would do this morning. Touch lives, change lives. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I just ask today, has the Holy Spirit spoken to your heart? Maybe today you're in the need of salvation. You, you, don't, you couldn't say, Pastor, I know if I die today, I'd go to heaven. I invite you to come today and say, Pastor, I need to talk to someone about my salvation. The altar's open. Or maybe again, dear friend, today, you, say, God, you just want to make yourself available to God and say, God, use me for your glory. You may want to come seal that at the altar. The altar's open, my friend, as we stand, as we sing. I invite you to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Let Him do the work He wants to do in your life, even right now. The altar's open, my friend. Would you come? The Holy Spirit speaking to you today. The altar's open, my friend.
Lord's speaking to you today. You need to talk to someone about your salvation. I invite you to come. You need to come and just say, God, I just offer myself to you. Help me to help others. The altar's open. Let God do what he wants to do in your life. God can use Egypt. The eyes and his and his to come. With all creation I sing praise to, to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Father, we love you, Lord. And God, we, we pray today that, that, Father, that God, for everything that's going on in our life, that we realize that there's a God in heaven, that, that we matter to you, God, and you want to do a work in our lives. And God, you want to do the work in our lives that, Father, you can use us to minister to others. And God, I pray that we wouldn't make ourselves available to you. And God, that, that, that we can be the hands and your feet as we go throughout this community and state and nation and world, just to tell the world of what a great Savior has done for us. We love you, Lord. We praise you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I want to ask you to be seated and, and ask Brother Wayne as you'd come and lead us in our time of offering.